My entire career as an educator has been fueled by a core belief that education is the key ingredient to a prosperous life, and everyone deserves access to that opportunity. But our educators need to be knowledgeable and equipped to respond to those unique needs of students with learning differences in order to make sure that they can reach their potential and develop the skills that they need to prosper. Hi, everyone. That's our guest today, Veronica Fiedler. You'll hear from her in a minute, and you're going to learn so much about strategies, legislation, and support for our students with disabilities. But first, I want to tell you about our sponsor for this episode. IDL Solutions is a software that's assured by the British Dyslexia Association and has proven to significantly increase English and math ability for students in thousands of schools across the globe. IDL Solutions have won all kinds of awards, including the GESS, Global Education Supplies and Solutions Award, and the NASEN, N-A-S-E-N, National Association for Special Education Needs Resource Award. If you've been wondering about how to better serve your students with dyslexia, you're in luck. Because IDL Solutions is expanding to the United States, and as part of that expansion, they are currently offering an extended free trial. This will not last, so you're going to want to jump on this opportunity and reach out to IDL Solutions at edcuration.com. You're listening to the Ed Curation Podcast. We bring you stories from educational leaders about the instructional resources, practices, and movements that are reshaping learning. It's a little bit of social work, a little bit of science, and a little bit of passion. The most valuable resource is also their time. It just can't be wasted on fluff. But we have to be able to continuously poll our students and just give them voice. We have the big ticks that are totally going to push their thinking. Today, we are welcoming Veronica Fiedler to the broadcast. Welcome, Veronica. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah. So, Veronica is with the state of Colorado, and she works with the state of Colorado around specific learning disabilities. So, just to give our listeners a little bit of background, let me just tell you that the Individuals with Disability Education Act which probably most of our listeners are familiar with. It's abbreviated IDEA, so IDEA. It's the federal law that supports special education. And there are 13 categories within that law that support our learners from age 3 to 21. Now, the specific learning disability is one of those 13 categories. So this law gets very detailed. Can you give our listeners a little bit of an explanation or definition of what that category, the specific learning disability category of the 13, what it covers? So SLD is, or specific learning disability, is one of the 13 categories, but underneath specific learning disability, there are eight academic domains of SLD. So it's pretty broad, you know, and really comprehensive. And and those eight are oral expression, listening comprehension, written expression, basic reading skills, reading fluency, reading comprehension, and then mathematical calculation and mathematical problem solving. So, Wow. 
you, yeah. So you can just imagine like identifying an SLD is, is a very comprehensive and, and a complex process for educators. And very content specific. Very content specific. Yeah. And I, as a gen ed teacher for many years, did not really realize how detailed this law is, the Individuals with Disability Education Act law is, and how detailed each of those categories is. Yeah. I'm guessing that the average parent and probably the average gen ed teacher does not have a good idea of of what's covered and how it's all specified. Right. But those kids are in their classroom too. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. Right. We just think that's just something that that kid is maybe not good at. Right. Like that's not their strong, not realizing that they might actually qualify for some kind of accommodation or assistance. I want to hear more about that later, but tell us as the specific learning disability specialist for the whole state of Colorado, what do you do in your job and what brought you to this role? So as the SLD specialist, I'm involved in multiple projects that support public educators with the implementation of IDEA and also state policy, as well as best practices to ensure access and opportunity for these students who have specific learning disability. And this includes, among many other things, designing and delivering professional development that is both online and face-to-face. And because we're funded through federal dollars, these professional development are free to public educators in Colorado. And what led me to this work is that my entire career as an educator has been fueled by a core belief that education is the key ingredient to a prosperous life, and everyone deserves access to that opportunity. But our educators need to be knowledgeable and equipped to respond to those unique needs of students with learning differences in order to make sure that they can reach their potential and develop the skills that they need to prosper. And so it's this core belief that has led me to the work that I'm doing today. I love that. Did you start out as a teacher? I did. I started out, I was actually a general educator for the first like 10 years of my career. And then I I got into special education. I see. And what do you enjoy about the work that you're doing now? So I love my job as SLD specialist at CDE. And of course, supporting educators by providing guidance and resources is really very fulfilling. And I get to connect with educators all over the state. And also the collaborative nature of my position as SLD specialist, because there are these eight different domains, I get to collaborate with literacy specialists and math specialists and all kinds of different people. I get to work with a variety of internal and external stakeholders on various different projects. Because I'm collaborating with so many smart and knowledgeable colleagues, I'm constantly learning new things. Mm. And I find that the Office of Special Education at CDE has a very strong culture of learning. And so asking questions and pushing each other's thinking is very normalized and expected. And it just makes... I mean, I always say that I learn 10 new things every day working as SLD specialist. That's awesome. That does sound amazing. I think as educators, we're all lifelong learners. So if we're learning in our job, we're happy. Yeah. And you mentioned that there is free professional development available to all teachers. So I'm guessing now that's virtual, but in a different world, you know, prior to COVID, how would educators access that? It happens in all different kinds of forms. Well, actually, CDE has Moodle, has an online LMS. 
And there is a professional development portal and anybody can access that portal. And there's, there's just a wealth of online webinars and, and courses that you can take. But then also, there are also sometimes face-to-face professional development that's offered. A lot of times, it's near the, the metro area because that's where our offices are. But CDE consultants travel all over the state. And we work with different districts and BOCES and, and bring support to them too also. And so in a different world, you would be doing that right now. You'd be traveling. Yes. I traveled quite a bit. But I also, ever since... I started working at CDE. I've always really focused on developing online learning because it's just a really good way to bring these opportunities to people in the far reaches of the state because, you know, I mean, teachers don't have budgets to travel to Denver. And so it's only fair for us to, you know, meet them where they're at and, and develop these professional developments in a way that they have access to it without having to spend the money to travel. Yeah. And it's just super flexible. So I'm guessing that because you oversee one of the 13 categories, that there are 12 other people just like you in the state of Colorado that oversee the other 12 categories. Is that right? I'm part of the ALL team, and that stands for Access, Literacy, and Learning. And on the ALL team, we have like an autism specialist, we have a brain injury specialist, we have a an SED specialist, and a speech language. So yeah, so all of those categories have consultants that specialize in those categories. So we're looking at this one of 13 categories, and we're looking at eight categories within that one category. Help us get smarter about what qualifies as a specific learning disability versus what's in some of the other categories. Well, a specific learner disability is basically if you have a disorder in one or more of the basic processes involved in understanding or using language spoken or written that may, you know, manifest itself in in an inability to take information in and then also produce information. Because that's what we do when we learn, right? We're taking things in, we analyze it, and we are able to generalize it and use it, you know? And so... It's a brain-based, you know, SLD is brain-based disorders that, that interferes with that. But it's also important to know that there's lots of myths and misinformation about students with learning disabilities and their potential to learn. The world of autism has done a really good job about really emphasizing the fact that autism happens on a spectrum, right? We always think about, we often say, oh, this child is on the spectrum. But learning disabilities happen on a spectrum as well. I mean, you can have a child with very severe learning disabilities who may never be able to learn to decode and will always have to use compensatory strategies. But you also have learning disabilities that do not have that that level of impact. So it's very important to know that these happen on a continuum. How can a general educator get smarter about this? And what is it most important for those general educators to understand and know about specific learning disabilities? That's a really great and very important question because general educators spend more time with students with specific learning disability than do their special education service providers. Right. Yeah. And in Colorado, more than 70% of students that are identified with SLD spend 80% or more of their school day in the general education setting. 
And so with that said, I think the most important thing for general educators to know is that learning disabilities are what we refer to as invisible disabilities, so to speak. When we see someone in a wheelchair, we expect that they will need accommodations, right, in order to have access. But we can't see a learning disability the way we can, we might be able to see a physical disability. And learning disabilities often present as undesirable behaviors, right? As defiance, indifferent, or laziness. How, how many times have we heard a teacher say, or even an uninformed parent sometimes, they'll say, oh, he's just lazy. And laziness is a byproduct of other underlying issues like depression or fear or shame. And so it's very important to pay attention to behaviors as well as academic achievement because these undesirable behaviors deserve to be explored as possible indicators of underlying learning issues. And it's important to always remember that being in school can be very uncomfortable for a student who struggles to learn in the same way that his typical peers do. Every aspect of the school environment needs to be supportive and inclusive of these students. And every educator, even the general educators in the school community, has an active role in shaping a supportive and inclusive environment for these students. Yeah. So my guess is then that for those general educators to make sure that they're not missing those flags or missing those signs with their students, that's where the ongoing professional development would be super important because the average general ed you know, teacher is not trained in special education. So it's very easy to miss those kinds of signs, right? Yes. And, and also having a master schedule that promotes teaming, like multidisciplinary problem-solving teams is really important also because you have your expert in the building. You have a lot of experts in the building, but we also can very easily tend to be very isolated in our roles. And so it's really important that leaders, school leaders, provide opportunities for teams to come together and share their expertise. Yeah. So these teams come together and you may be having what used to be called RTI. And now I think in most schools, they're just thinking of it under the umbrella of MTSS, right? Multiple tiered systems of support. So these teams come together to figure out accommodations for a student or a group of students, but it's going to be that gen ed teacher most of the time who's going to implement those accommodations, right? It's that They're the ones who have to deliver it. So how are schools doing that? How are schools currently in the state of Colorado accommodating students with specific learning disabilities? There's a lot of variety across the state because the state of Colorado is a what we call a local control state. And I haven't been in every single school in the state, but in my experience in the field is Colorado has a high level of inclusion. And that's why in Colorado, we have that very high percentage, 70%, over 70% of our SLD, our students with SLD are, are spending 80% or more of their time in, in general ed. And so oftentimes you'll see also like a team teaching situation where you'll have a special educator in the classroom with a general educator who are, and they're there to support they're there to support either accommodations or they're there to support specially designed instruction. But sometimes when the gap is really wide, you do have to take advantage of a sort of a pullout situation so that you can address specific skills that you wouldn't necessarily be able to address in, in a general education setting. So it's kind of, it, it really depends on the child and what their needs are. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. 
Hi, I'm Victoria Kenyon, an International Interventions Advisor here at IDL, and we are proud to sponsor this episode of the Education Podcast. As part of the education charity Ascentis, we have been passionate about providing multi-sensory software programs to schools in the UK and around the world with over 40 years experience. As Veronica said, students with learning disabilities are arriving in our classrooms every year and each semester. If you're wondering how to ensure progress for those students with dyslexia, you will want to access the free trial currently being offered by IDL Solutions. You can easily connect with them through edcuration.com. And now, back to Veronica. So the local control that you mentioned, what does that mean exactly? So that means that CDE can't tell districts what to do unless it is outlined specifically in legislation. And in that legislation, it states that we are tasked with helping with implementation and monitoring, let's say. So we don't have a whole lot of teeth. And so people often ask like, well, what's the state curriculum? Well, we don't have a state curriculum. Like every district can choose. So that's an example. You said that you just be as a virtue of being a part of the Colorado Department of Education at a state level, you're able to learn to at least 10 new things every day. Yeah. (laughs) I'm wondering if there are specific organizations that you follow or collaborate with or where do you turn for thought leadership? How, how does the state of Colorado continue to make sure that our leaders are on kind of on the cutting edge? Yeah, we're involved with lots of different organizations that come in and that we work with. It's actually quite exciting. But some that, that I have had direct contact with are like the National Center on Intensive Intervention, NCII, the University of Florida Literacy Institute is some is one that I like to check in with regularly. They've got lots of really great resources for teachers. The National Center for Systemic Improvement, NCSI, and then the Cedar Center, just to name a few. NCII has tons of resources that are produced and vetted by some of the nation's most respected researchers. And the resources are all geared towards supporting students with intensive academic and behavioral needs. And their resources include support for systems implementation, as well as high leverage instructional practices. And they also have a wealth of resources for how to support our neediest students in the context of COVID, which hopefully we are coming out of. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Yeah, we hope so. We're all super concerned about learning loss, which is not a new thing, right? But it's been accelerated. And we're really concerned about our students' social-emotional health, as well as our own. How are you, you're not really in the field very much right now, but how are you seeing students being supported and particularly those kiddos with learning disabilities being supported right now during hybrid and remote learning? So schools that have a strong collaborative problem-solving culture have the greatest success with supporting students with disabilities in this context. Engagement is a big struggle. And also the disruptions of going back and forth from in-person to hybrid to remote, like constantly without, with very little warning, right? That's hard. That's very, especially for students with disabilities, having a strong school-wide approach is the most effective. The responsibility of supporting and engaging our students with disabilities, it needs to fall on everyone's shoulders, not just our special educators. You know, and then creating as much consistency as we can that can be created in this context is also important. 
Are you able to give an example of what you mean when you say a school with a strong problem-solving culture? Yeah. So earlier, I talked about the importance of having a master schedule where you have where you can support multidisciplinary teams coming together and be able to solve problems. So having that kind of teaming structure, and then also having protocols for problem solving too, like really clear protocols that you use for looking at data, super important. Yeah. Okay. We've talked a lot about those gen ed teachers because they are the ones who are kind of carrying this out, right? And they are not the ones who have the specialized training always. What do they need to be successful in supporting those kiddos? Yeah. So teachers need knowledge, they need resources, and they need what I refer to as an enabling context in which to work. And they need professional development in like high leverage instructional practices that are not specific to a curriculum. And this is really important because much of PD today is program specific, which is of course necessary for teachers to be able to implement these programs with fidelity. So of course that's important, but it's also important to understand that there's no one program that is perfect for all students. Even if it has a high effect size, there will always be students who for whatever reason don't respond to the instruction. And these teachers need to be able to recognize shortcomings of of a curriculum and have the expertise to use formative assessment to inform adjustments to their instruction in order to reach those non-responders. And by an enabling context, when I talk about enabling context, I mean that teachers need to be supported by a data-driven culture that includes school-wide systems that promote collaborative decision-making, like what I was talking about before, like you have a master schedule that allows people to come together and, and share their expertise when you're looking at a child. If you're a teacher listening right now and you're inwardly or maybe outwardly rolling your eyes or heaving a deep sigh because you don't have what you need to support your special education students in the way of training, resources, and an enabling context I just want to remind you that you are allowed to ask for these things. There are smart, caring people at the district and state level who are determined to make sure you and your students succeed. I'm saying this because I spent many years wishing for more, but not asking because I thought I was supposed to have it all figured out. So you're saying master schedule. How is the master schedule impacting the students with the learning disabilities? Oh, that's a really good question. Master schedule very much impacts students with disabilities. So things like promoting an inclusive culture. So if you need to have time within your master schedule for students to be able to receive the the services that they need. So we talked earlier about pullout and inclusion. And so If you have a master schedule where a child is being pulled out of a class where they're learning their core grade level curriculum in order to get their needs met for for the, the skills that they need to build so they can access that curriculum, well, then that's counterproductive, right? So it's really important to to keep those things in mind. And I know that there's some schools that they will design their master schedule first with their special education needs in mind first. And so they design that schedule with that first, and then they, they put in the rest, right? Rather than trying to retrofit a schedule to accommodate these students that, oh, all of a sudden, oh, we forgot about our special education students. <laughs> and then also a master schedule that also promotes collaboration among educators. 
because they need to be able to come together and share their expertise. Like we talked earlier about general educators and how much they don't know, but yet their colleagues, they have their school psychologist that has a wealth of information about assessment and behavior issues. And you have your special educator that has a wealth of information about best practices for instructing these students. So having time for them to come together is really important. To collaborate, right? Because even sitting here listening to you talk, I feel a little agitated for those teachers because I was one of those teachers, right? Right. I have a classroom of 30 some kids maybe, and, and it could be as many as half of them have some kind of accommodation that you're needing to deliver. Is that realistic? I mean, can it be done? Do you see it being, you see it happening effectively? Yeah. And it really comes down to those systems. I mean, the, the, the schools that have and who pay attention to their systems. And systems aren't something that you just set up and then there you go. They're, it's like a garden, right? You have to constantly be cultivating those systems and checking in with your own selves. And a lot of, you know, a lot of the problems that we think kids have in school are actually adult problems. <laughs> so when you have like systems fidelity checks, for example, which is something that often gets forgotten. Well, so... Here at Ed Curation, we have educators come to us all the time looking for resources to support their student populations. And sometimes those are special educators or gen ed teachers looking for the kinds of programs that can support their special education students. What kinds of criteria should we be looking at? What's needed? What are you hearing teachers ask for? So the science of reading is a big buzz right now across the nation. A lot of people are starting to really dive into trying to understand dyslexia a lot better. Did I mention that today's sponsor is a globally renowned dyslexia software? There's so many products out there, so many educational products out there. And so the big question is, well, how do you know which ones are like truly evidence-based and rooted in research and that are really effective and which ones are not? And so I think one way that ed curation can help educators zero in on the right program is by maybe indicating in some way if the product is endorsed or vetted by a respected agency. Since Veronica mentioned it, I will take this opportunity for some shameless self-promotion and let you know that each provider page on ed curation actually does feature efficacy studies, white papers, scores from organizations like Ed Reports and Ellie Believes, standards alignment documents, implementation maps, and pricing. You can easily choose your favorite resources and then create comparison spreadsheets for the programs you're considering. You can send requests and inquiries to providers directly through their page, saving tons of time, and you'll find treasures you had no idea were even out there. So, speaking of resources... The NCII has a great taxonomy of intervention intensity that is helpful not only in choosing the right intervention, but it also helps with evaluating existing interventions that guides teachers through the process of intensifying a tier two intervention in response to a student who is not responding to tier two interventions. And so if there's some way that that could be indicated, like if I'm looking at a product, I can see, oh, this product appears on this list. I can click on it and I can see that information. And oftentimes, you know, like educators don't have the time. It's like, oh, we have to spend this money. We have a week. (laughs) 
vetting curriculum is time challenging, time-consuming process for sure. So that, and, and, you know, there's so much out there and there's lots of shiny boxes, you know, evidence-based is very much a, a marketing tagline these days, but what exactly does that mean? You know, and is the program evidence-based or is the program using evidence-based pieces? What should it mean when it says evidence-based? It should mean that it has gone through some kind of like peer-reviewed process where they have implemented it and then gathered the data and established effect size. And that's what the, the NCII tools chart is really great. Where can listeners access that? On the National Center for Intensive Interventions website. If you just okay. Google NCII tools chart, it will come up. Hugely helpful. Are there any other resources that you would recommend to our listeners or... Can you tell them where to find you or where to find the state resources that would be helpful to them in this way? Yes. So I happen to have, I have a listserv, an SLD listserv, and I post free and low cost resources and professional development often. So I will give you the directions and the link for signing up for that listserv and you can include that in the notes. I will do that. Definitely. Well, thank you so much, Veronica, for making the time to talk with us today and share your background and expertise with our listeners. A lot of super important information. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. You can find program notes and links for episodes on Podbean. And you can find this and all of our episodes pretty much anywhere and everywhere that podcasts are found. This episode of the Ed Curation Podcast was sponsored by IDL Solutions. Dr. Ian Corbin, a chartered educational and child psychologist and therapist said, I just wanted to say how impressed I am with IDL. Many of the schools that I support across the UK are using it now, and I'm seeing lots of pupils making real progress when using it. You can learn more about IDL solutions and access their free trial through their profile page at edcuration. That's E-D-C-U-R-A-T-I-O-N.com. If you have a topic or resource you'd like to share with our listeners, you can also reach out to us there on our website. If you found this episode helpful, please follow, share, and like, and leave us a comment or question. We long to hear from you. Tune in again soon to the Ed Curation Podcast, where we reshape learning.